Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. I'm Rachel Telford. And I'm Megan Wright. The Grain Talk podcast can be found on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. In this episode of Grain Talk, we continue our 10th anniversary highlights with a conversation with Todd Austin, Manager of Marketing here at Grain Farmers of Ontario. We take a look back at the past 10 years of marketing and also discuss this year's wheat harvest. And I check in with Marcus Hurl, Chair of Grain Farmers of Ontario, for an update on our organization and the work being done by the Board of Directors. First, a Grain Talk News update. Grain Farmers of Ontario has released its third ad in a campaign to raise awareness about the impact COVID-19 and U.S. subsidies are having on the Ontario grain industry. Canada's food supply needs the attention of the federal government. Ontario Premier Doug Ford and Minister of Agriculture Ernie Hardman have already made the commitment to fix risk management programs. However, the Federal Provincial Agri-Stability Program needs to be restored to 85% with no reference margin limits, a cut that was made in 2012. Grain Farmers of Ontario has been raising this issue since the start of the pandemic. You can watch the new ad at grainfarmers.ca. The Ontario Wheat Harvest Quality Program is underway. Every year, Grain Farmers of Ontario collects samples during harvest and has them analyzed for quality factors such as test weight, falling number, and fusarium. The information is used by the Market Development Department They share it with the millers and bakers to promote the use of our wheat and confirm it meets industry quality standards. The wheat samples are tested at the Grains Analytical Testing Laboratory, a joint venture between Grain Farmers of Ontario and SGS Agriculture and Food. 98% of the soft red winter wheat samples collected so far have graded at number two or better. Protein is slightly lower than the three-year average at 9.1%, and on average, test weights are lower than last year. However, samples show good falling numbers and little to no fusarium. You can find all of the results from the Wheat Harvest Quality Program in the Market Development section of gfo.ca. Grain Farmers of Ontario will be hosting its annual general meeting on September 15th at 8.30 a.m. To ensure the health and safety of our Board of Directors, delegates, farmer members, and staff, this year's AGM will be held online using Zoom. Registration information will be available online at gfo.ca in the coming weeks. All farmer members will also receive communications notifying them of the meeting details. Please save the date on your calendar. And now, here's my conversation with Todd Austin. Joining us this week on the podcast is Todd Austin, the Marketing Manager for Grain Farmers of Ontario. We're going to be continuing our 10th anniversary special feature uh, where we talked with the different departments about what it's been like over the past decade with Grain Farmers of Ontario. Uh, Todd, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you. Great. Thanks. Uh, I'm glad to be here too, uh, Rachel. So why don't we just start with a little bit about what your job as marketing manager entails on a day-to-day basis and, and sort of what is the role of marketing within Grain Farmers of Ontario as an organization? Sure. So grain marketing, we buy grain from farmers and sell it throughout Ontario to mills, to end users, to other elevators or, or grain companies that are looking for grain. So we really um, kind of broker wheat trade through Ontario. You know, with the different classes of wheat, we buy and sell. 
soft white wheat, soft red wheat, hard red winter wheat, and hard red spring wheat. My role is kind of to oversee that operation. Um, day to day, we keep in touch with grain companies and end users. We adjust our basis and cash prices accordingly if there is changes in the marketplace that need to be uh, adjusted. And, um, you know, we're here for our farmer members as an alternate marketing system for their wheat in in um, conjunction with the rest of the trade being elevators, grain terminals, and uh, and grain buyers. So where is the majority of our Ontario wheat going these days? The majority stays in Ontario. You know, there's a number of flour mills in Ontario and feed mills in Ontario that use a good portion of the Ontario crop. We do have Ontario grains going into the Quebec feed market and milling market there. And we have a an export program, you know, especially in that with the Lakeport terminals moving grain overseas. And the, the United States is another big buyer of Ontario wheat. And is it a steady market all year long or do we see some fluctuations um, you know, at, at certain points of the year? Well, well, the end users like to meter out their grain throughout the year, but we do see a lot more grain movement at harvest. So a lot of farmers move their grain to elevators or terminal positions at harvest time. It's stored there and shipped out through through the rest of the year. So and on a farmer level, you know, most of the grain is moved at harvest time, but at um, elevator and terminal locations, it can be moved throughout the year. Now, as I mentioned, we are celebrating our 10th anniversary of Grain Farmers of Ontario as an organization. Uh, there used to be a separate wheat marketing board here in Ontario. So what impact did the formation of our organization have on the marketing department and sort of the landscape of wheat marketing in the province? Yes, when we became Grain Farmers of Ontario, we kept the marketing system that we had with the Ontario Wheat Producers Marketing Board. So it wasn't really a, a change other than uh, in name, but we have the same marketing capabilities that the uh, legacy organization had. So what offerings uh, do we have then? So we really have two main streams for wheat marketing. One is a pool program. And what that is, is the producer delivers his grain to an elevator terminal and they are paid an initial price Grain Farmers of Ontario markets that grain through the year, and we pay out an interim payment in January and a final payment the following August. So it, it pools the different classes of wheat um, throughout Ontario, and we make sales through the year. I guess what we really get from it is more of an average price for the participants. You know, we don't necessarily make every sale at the high of the market, but we don't make every sale at the low of the market either. It gives a, an average price. You know, the producer who participates in the pool, their total return when you add up the initial, the uh, interim and the final payment, it's, um, you know, it's, it's the revenues that we get selling the pool wheat less our costs. So, it, you know, all, all the, the difference goes directly to the, uh, to the producer participant. And it's important to note with the wheat pool that um, our checkoff fees that all farm members pay don't have anything to do with the wheat pool. I know that there's often some questions about that. So um, can you just uh, explain a bit about that 
uh, how it's a separate uh, fund. We are funded through a wheat marketing fund that was set up when Grain Farmers of Ontario began. And none of our wheat marketing activities are funded through any of the checkoff programs. We're really a separate entity in that sense. You know, we're, uh, what we try to do is, uh, is maintain or try to grow that marketing fund so that we are still viable year after year. And, uh, you know, we, we certainly have over the last few years seen that wheat fund grow from, you know, in the last 10 years. So the other offering other than the wheat pool then is some forward contracting? That's right. So that's our other stream. It's forward contracting. So in that, the, the producer can lock in his cash price or her cash price. We offer, you know, current, mark, current uh, delivery options. We also offer 2021 prices and we're about to set up our 2022 cash pricings as well. So there are a number of delivery dates and uh, prices that are available to producers. Um, like I say, we, they can lock in the cash price or they can lock in a basis and then um, you know lock in the, the Chicago or Minneapolis portion at a later date what our cash price is our cash price is the um the wheat futures price plus a a what we call local basis so they can lock in both or they can just lock in the basis and again then lock in the chicago or minneapolis at a later date now when we talk about the the wheat markets and the wheat futures they're obviously not standalone entities and i know that they're influenced by you know the other uh, commodity markets as well so um, looking back over the past 10 years, have there been some major market influences that you can sort of uh, point to as, as having a, an impact on the wheat market? Yeah, sure. So every year, you know, the market watches where wheat's being grown and, and uh, if there are problems with production. So in years where we've seen the Russian wheat not hit its target levels, we can see markets um, rally because of that. Same with Australia, if they don't get the crop in or they've had droughts for the last three years, that does impact futures. A few years ago, the, the U.S. corn crop, the yields were not spectacular. And that did cause a rally, not only in corn prices, but also in wheat prices. So, you know, sometimes because wheat is grown in just about every country or every area of the world, and in some months, you know, it's being harvested other months it's being uh, planted, that um, you almost need someone to have some bad luck or a disaster to see some, uh, some rallies in the market or some weather events um, to cause ripples in, in, the, in the futures markets. You, know, you don't wanna see problems yourself, but uh, that just seems to be the way these future markets react. You know, it's, uh, Basically, it's a supply and demand, and when there is anything that's going to affect either the supply or the demand, that's when we see um, changes in, in big changes in, in the futures markets. And what about the impact of the Canadian dollar? Well, that certainly affects the uh, the cash price. You know, a lower Canadian dollar gives us a stronger cash price again because the futures are in in. U.S. denomination, converting it to a Canadian price, um, a weaker Canadian dollar certainly helps with our cash price. 
a stronger Canadian dollar erodes that uh, Canadian cash price, if you will. So, you know, if you're buying inputs you from the States, you, you want to see a, a slightly stronger Canadian dollar for that uh, exchange rate. But when you're selling crops, it, it is nice to see a, a weaker Canadian dollar so we can get a, a little stronger uh, Canadian cash price. Now, over the past decade, technology has really changed and evolved, uh, you know, for a lot of different areas, but specifically for wheat marketing, um, you know, what has changed for you? How have your processes changed and adapted as, you know, we've seen more technology, um, you know, come on board? When we started uh, with the Wheat Producers Marketing Board, you know, a lot of information was sent by fax. We would call our broker to put in a, an order for the markets, and then they would call us back in a couple of minutes with the fill. Nowadays, you know, with electronic trading on, on the uh, markets, we can get a fill instantly. Um, we can call our broker and, and they can give, it, give us our fill right away. Or with new uh, trading platforms, you can actually put in the orders directly and, and get a fill instantly. Um, the other thing is with email and texting, you know, we can connect with farmers much quicker um, than we have in the past. They're out in the fields and they have a cell phone. They can contact, you know, anyone for prices. They don't have to be back in the, the home office as, at lunchtime looking for information. Um, news is 24 hours a day. You know, it's not just the, the lunch hour news that, that people listen to anymore. So we're connected a lot quicker and we have access to information at our fingertips that we can reach a lot quicker than we did in the past. Even the last 10 years, you know, you, you can see that exchange of information is just that much quicker every year. And, you know, even Twitter to get uh, information out to people, social media, you know, uh, we're seeing more of that being used to, uh, to send information um, to people all the time. When we talk about having a lot of information, though, um, you know, sometimes that might make you hesitant to, you know, make a sale or think, oh, maybe I should wait. So how do you, as you know, somebody that's in charge of the wheat marketing, you know, make those decisions when you have all this information out there? How, you know, what do you really rely on and, and how do you narrow down your focus when there's so much information out there? Yeah, well, that's that's a good question. Yeah, you could get overloaded with the information and not make any decisions. So what I try to do is on the day to day is I look what is the best thing today. You know, does it make sense to make a sale today? What's my cash price? What's my basis that I'm uh, that I can sell for versus what I bought the green for? You know, are the markets trending higher? Or are they trending lower? So you do look at a little bit of uh, technical analysis. You look at a little bit of the uh, supply and demand reports that are out and uh, sometimes you just have to uh, you know rely on a on a gut check and uh, you know once a sale is made you tend to want to just forget about it and move on because you know there's no matter what you do there's probably going to be a time when the price is going to be better so you just have to uh, make the best decisions at the time and um, you kind of learn through uh, through making mistakes too you know it's uh, I had one person I was talking to, um, they were giving a webinar on, on marketing and merchandising. And I think they hit it on the head when they said it's it's more of an art than a science. So it's, uh, you know, you, you need experience to make these decisions. And the best way to get experience is to make mistakes and learn from them. 
But uh, again, you know, there are, are certain price levels that we buy grain for and we want to sell it for uh, for a better value than than that. And, uh, you know, we know what some what our costs are. So we, you know, want to make sure we can cover our costs as well. Are there any specific reports that you rely on as sort of a, uh, you know, measure of this of the state of the wheat crop or sort of where markets are at? Like, uh, for example, the United States Department of Agriculture reports. Are, are those really, really important for you? Yeah, I do look at the USDA um, reports, their uh, monthly supply and demand reports, um, you know, not necessarily for their the exact numbers that they portray on the reports, but I look more at what the change is from uh, from month to month. Our, our broker, they just changed their name to StoneX, but the old FC Stone, they provide a lot of market information that I, I, I read. Um, maybe not daily, but uh, a couple times a week, just to see, you know, the state of uh, what markets are doing uh, globally, and um, you know, read read some of the farm papers and magazines just to be aware of what's going on. You know, with with any kind of futures market, they really look at um, global production, global supply and demand. So you really want to know what's going on globally. And at the same time, you, you do want to know what's going on locally as well. And you kind of put those two together to to understand what's uh, what's happening in the marketplace. Now, not to play uh, a pun on the word futures, but uh, what do you see as sort of maybe the goals of the marketing department in the future? Or or what do you see as sort of a future outlook for, you know, where things are, are going to be going, um, you know, with the department as part of our organization as a whole? Right. Yeah. So I think, you know, what what our, our goals are is to continue to offer some alternate marketing plans for farmer members, you know, through forward contract or the, or the pool program. Um, the other thing we provide is, is market intelligence um, for people and including other um, other people in the office. So our colleagues at Grain Farmers of Ontario, we provide uh, marketing information for them too. So that's really what I see our role is, is to continue doing what we've been doing, providing market information to people, providing uh, marketing options for uh, people, and uh, even just being a sounding board if producers have questions about the uh, the wheat market. Now, have you been getting very many of those kind of calls uh, for um, this year, I mean, wheat harvest is wrapped up in some areas, still ongoing in others. Sort of, have you gotten a sense of, of uh, what the wheat harvest is like this year? Yeah, so you know, as you say, a lot of the wheat is harvested. Um, guys, uh, people have it in their bins or are, are trying to move it to elevators and terminals. Um, for the most part, quality is good. You know, we're we're seeing good test weight. Um, the majority of the wheat that we've seen is a grade two. Uh, protein levels seem to be fine for for soft red. I haven't seen a lot of hard red winter yet, and spring wheat we we haven't started harvest there, or at least haven't seen any deliveries yet. So it's you know like I say, so far the the quality looks pretty decent. Um, what about uh, in terms of how much wheat we're looking at uh, getting out of the fields this year? Is there an estimate yet on on how much how many acres you know have actually survived since planting? Yeah, I don't have that right in front of me, but I know we planted, you know, looking at agricore numbers and extrapolating it, we were ex expecting over a, a million acres. Um, 
it may be down just slightly from that. But um, as for yields, you know, we're hearing, you know, I guess it's more of a dog's breakfast of yields right now, you know, 60 bushels to 100 bushels an acre. Um, but we don't really have a, a, a real estimate yet of what, where we're going to end up. You mentioned working with other members of the Grain Farmers of Ontario team, including myself here in communications. And uh, one of the um, articles that is in the August magazine is is sort of about the the year that was with the the wheat crop, and that the fact that a lot of farmers actually have their contracts in place already um, for this year. They sort of book them early, given the, the conditions with last year. Um, so there was a reminder in there as well about you know knowing what is in their contract in terms of. Uh, you know what they have to deliver and with with moisture content etc so um what you know what is that reminder for farmers and, and why is it important well you know anytime you have a contract it's always good to know what the terms of the contract are um you don't want to be surprised when you're delivering your grain and uh you get your check and there's all these deductions off of it and you don't know why so it's always good to know exactly what uh what the quality specs and the uh you know what the buyer is looking for when they're when they're buying your grain so those are just you know things to just to be aware of uh, you know a lot of times people sell to you know the people that they've they've done business with in the past and have a you know a, a relation a business relationship with so i you know there's no one out to to get anybody but it's always good just to refamiliarize yourself with with the terms of of your grain contract or any kind of you know not just wheat but uh, any kind of grain contract now the 2019 harvest didn't go so well and i remember that a lot of farmers um, had to push their contracts forward to this year so how are you seeing things this year are people able to fill those contracts yeah for the most part everyone's you know filling contracts um there are pockets where there could be some some issues filling contracts but um you know, in in how we do business with our our farmers is um, you know is we work with them on what to do if if they haven't filled their contract, either buying out the contract or looking at rolling the contract into the next crop year. So we do work with our our people to uh, to come up with a a solution that works for for both parties. Um, but like I say, right now most guys most people are are filling their contracts um you know some may get a, maybe a little it may be a little tight but uh so far so good now if there are any farmers who you know need somewhere for their wheat to go is pool participation still an option at this point yeah the pool is open until the end of september so september 30th is the last day to um, put your wheat into the pool or, or designate it for the pool so there are still some uh, a lot of delivery options available for that. We do have an on-farm storage program for the pool, but you do have to sign up for that um, before September 30th as well. So there's still still a, a, a long time yet before the, the pool closes for this year. Right now, obviously with harvest going on and there's a lot of wheat uh, you know, moving at the moment, what are you looking at in terms of market conditions and, and what's influencing the wheat markets, uh, you know, production in other countries or you know, the, the markets uh, globally, what's happening? Obviously with, with wheat, um, because it can be used in, in, uh, as an animal feed, it can be a substitute for corn. 
So, you know, the corn market does influence the wheat market quite a bit. So when we see uh, corn rallying, we tend to see wheat following that eventually. Same thing if the corn market falls, we do see the wheat market fall. So, you know, we, we kind of watch what, what's going on in the corn market, um, especially in the U.S., such a big crop there that it does influence global prices. Um, other things we look at is production in, in other parts of the world, you know, not just the U.S., but um, Europe, the Ukraine, Russia, Australia, uh, South America to some extent, but really um, Russia, the Ukraine, and Australia, because they are big global exporters. You know, when I first started, Russia really didn't export a whole lot of wheat. But now they're, you know, one of the top exporters globally. So we do have to pay attention to, you know, the amount of wheat grown in the rest of the world to understand where prices, you know, the global prices, the future prices could be. Um, you know, basis level is more of a, I always look at it as more of a local supply and demand. So if there's some problems locally in Ontario, you know, we may see cash prices move out of step with where the, the futures are because we may need grain wheat in, in those areas. So sometimes we do see a, you know, where, where futures may be falling, we see basis levels appreciating because of, of the need of wheat in, in certain locations. So we've got to look globally, but we've also got to look um, locally to, uh, to understand the, the full uh, market. Now, if any of our farmer members want, uh, you know, just to have a conversation with you about marketing or, you know, learn a bit more about the programs that we do offer, how can they contact you or, or what's the best way to get some more information? Yeah, so our website has a, a bunch of information there, um, you know, very brief, basic information. Um, they can, you know, they can give us a call. Um, they can email us. They can text us. You know, we have both our phones and cell phones. Right now, we're both working off off-site in our own home offices. So, you know, it's uh, it's interesting trying to keep um, you know, the home and office separate. But I think we're doing a, a pretty decent job. So there, there's a number of ways to get a hold of us. The easiest to call me is five one nine seven six seven four one one eight, and my email. T Austin at gfo.ca. And then Colleen Clark is always available for pricing as well. And her number, 519-767-4125. And her email, cclark at gfo.ca. That's great, Todd. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. I think that's, uh, you know, we've had a, a great success the past decade, and hopefully that will continue on for another decade. So again, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today. Thanks, Rachel. My pleasure. Joining me on the podcast today, I have our chair, Marcus Hurl. How are you, Marcus? Oh, doing well. How are you? I'm good, thanks. So wheat harvest has wrapped up in some spots or is underway in most parts of the province now. What have you been hearing about how it's been going or how is it looking in your area? So for us in Eastern Ontario, uh, it's always kind of um, 
a difficult question to answer because uh, first of all there's not a lot of winter wheat grown in eastern Ontario uh, but uh, for the spring grains that are maturing now at this time there seems to be some lack of rain impact that we uh, had had uh, certainly now that the rain has come it's uh, somewhat too late for the cereal grains uh, we're still hoping that at least the uh, quality is good. Uh, maybe quantity might be reduced, but uh, again, that's to be seen. Usually the combines uh, tell the real story. But um, then when we, when we talk about winter wheat uh, in Ontario, there has been, again, some impact from the rains uh, not being timely. Um, and now that the rain has come, uh, I see there are still some winter weeds out where quality might become an issue at a certain time because uh, we haven't been able to go back to harvest those acres that are still out there since a week. So uh, let's hope that farmers get a good stretch of nice weather coming this week and uh, get that crop off. Yeah, hopefully. So I had heard that there's a bit of a drought in eastern Ontario. So um, I know over the weekend in our area, we got a fair bit of rain. So you guys did get rain out there this weekend? Yeah, we actually did. Uh, so where I am, uh, I'm uh, basically adding up to about three inches the last, this past seven days. Uh, but again, it's very spotty across the area. So uh, I hope the farmers that needed it most got some out of this too. Uh, of course, the uh, soybeans and corn, uh, that's to be determined of how much impact it had on it, uh, of not getting the moisture, but uh, it's basically in tassel uh, on the corn side. Beans are pot set, uh, not filled out, but uh, keeping fingers crossed, always be optimistic. Right. All right. Well, yeah, fingers crossed that the weather, if we need more rain, you get it, but also some dry weather for the guys still trying to get weed off. So we'll see. It's a normal wish for farmers. Let's just say that uh, never too much, but, uh, but enough in a timely fashion. Um, all right. So switching gears a little bit, we are still working on uh, business risk management and trying to improve those programs. So last week, we sent out a release outlining the impact that the subsidies being given to U.S. farmers has on our grain farmers. So can you explain a little bit about why the 35, now $35 million in subsidies that U.S. farmers are receiving, uh, why that impacts Ontario grain farmers? Well, so the uh, big picture behind that is uh, we as Ontario and Canada are exporters into the na international markets. So uh, what uh, subsidies in the U.S. do, first of all, they displace grains sold uh, from, uh, let's say, uh, areas or countries that are not getting subsidies because now the U.S. seller does not need to get the same amount from the marketplace than we do to cover our cost of production. So they're going to be basically selling a lot of the grains under cost of production because a farmer in the U.S. knows that he's going to get the difference in the mailbox from his government. So um, what uh, we need to continue doing here in, uh, in Ontario is, first of all, getting our provincial government committed to um, a dollar figure towards the agri-stability side uh, because uh, this is a national 
program that we're still lacking funding uh, for or co fu funding commitment from the provincial government to cover the, the, uh, their 40% share. Then we need to get the federal government acknowledged, uh, acknowledging the issue of BRM programming not being sufficient for the time that we're faced. So uh, we have to back up uh, two, two or three years ago, we've been impacted significantly through the uh, US-China trade disagreements on the soybean side. We're still carrying that burden forward up to this day. Uh, because we have never recouped those markets into China uh, the last year. So um, that's being taken away again by the uh, countries that are subsidizing their farmers. Then second of all, um, we are probably going to get some imports coming into Canada uh, that the processors are going to source because, again, they're looking for the least uh, input into their raw product going through their facilities. So that's going to displace our domestic production somewhat. And uh, let's not forget, there is some responsibility to the Canadian government, first of all, to create food security internally of their country and uh, stepping up to the plate and not let farmers cover their losses year after year in a fashion that we're not able to do it anymore. Like uh, there's corn being produced out in uh, in the fields this year that will not meet the cost of production. There might be opportunities that farmers have explored on certain amount of bushels or tons that they in, intend to grow. But what about uh, the, the crop they're not able to contract or uh, contracts that are gonna be deferred, delayed, or even outright canceled? Like those are all things we do not have control over. And uh, this is a real danger coming towards us of governments not stepping up to the plate. Now, on the same side, I do want to say, Ontario has committed $50 million towards a top-up on the RMP program, which is uh, actually, uh, we do appreciate that step forward and uh, it's well received by all farmers. But there is then the second tier of BRM that are as important to have in place for the long term as well. Because short term, yes, we do get monies coming towards the BRM program in a provincial level, but it doesn't do it all. Right. All right. That was a really great explanation because... I think people hear us bring up the subsidies in the U.S., but the re reason we bring those up, as you said, is because it affects the prices that Ontario farmers get. It's not that we want that same subsidy. It's just that we need the the support behind it if we have to compete with compete in that same market. Yes, that's right. And uh, maybe one thing I want to add, um, there seems to be a perception uh, on maybe some stakeholders or even farmers that uh, we're looking for handouts and uh, Megan, you said it perfectly. Uh, it's not what we're looking for as handouts. We want to be in partnership with government on insurance-based programs that we can use as a backstop as farmers were asked to go more and more into debt and uh, not being able to cover our cost of production. So if a program is shared by all different levels, I think it's uh, an appropriate way of 
addressing the shortfall. And uh, because in the US, the story of uh, them giving more and more money to the farmers is not over. There's actually a proposal in front of the house at the moment of another $27 billion to cover the, uh, the COVID and um, uh, trade impacts that they occurred the last couple of years. Like we will be facing uh, $50 billion subsidy payments going to farmers in this, uh, the coming, going into this fall harvest. Like this is huge money. And uh, we are gonna have to compete against that. It's not gonna go away. Those are funds that are committed by that government. And there will be other countries that will be doing the same thing. So um, there has to be an acknowledgement by everybody that it's time to step up and get it done. And let's not wait until more disasters are in front of us as time progresses. Right, exactly. And so then moving on to our next point, if any of our farmer members want to hear more about um, what we've been doing in terms of uh, business risk management, they can come to our virtual AGM. So you wanna tell everyone when that is and how they can attend? Yes, so uh, we're actually in the final steps of uh, actually putting the, uh, the framework together on the virtual um, uh, annual meeting of uh, GFO. And I want to encourage as many people to attend as they uh, usually do at the uh, in Woodstock, as we usually host it at the same time period as the outdoor farm show. And uh, we just want to make sure that uh, farmers and delegates have, that we hear your voice and that we hear your concerns, that we as GFO uh, use your uh, input as a guide to move forward uh, because often enough uh, we do have to remember that we are a grassroots organization that uh, your voice as a producer is very important for us to structure our organization and build policies around your needs and uh, there is certain times that uh, we rely on you of coming forward so um Again, there is also a resolution process as normal in, in place. So I encourage you to uh, work with your district and uh, there are delegates and uh, you, there's also delega, um, uh, district directors that uh, you can get in contact with to uh, get to the appropriate avenues of how to bring your resolutions forward uh, and uh, they will be able to help you out on that. Right. And just to add to that, the resolution deadline is September 8th this year. And uh, you guys, everyone will be getting more details about how to uh, join the Zoom meeting uh, in their in your mailbox and online very shortly. Marcus, thanks so much for taking the time to give us an update today. Enjoy the rest of your day. Well, thank you very much. You have a nice day, too. Thank you for listening to our Green Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash grain talk. A special thank you to our guests this week, Todd Austin and Marcus Hurl. If you like what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. 
And remember, five-star reviews help us grow our audience.